Welcome back to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball, and I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. And if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, the Lakers play today. Holy Anthony, crap. are you excited? <laughs> <laughs> what a weird, like that, you know, every so often there's a sentence that you should have had yourself prepared for, but you like didn't for some reason. You got me there. That was that was a good one. I can't believe the Lakers actually play today. I can't believe we are actually at this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of me felt like the shoe was going to drop on this whole Disney thing, you know, the closer and closer we got, like even with all the players in the bubble, like I just, I thought something was going to happen and no, like there were basketball games, you know, today, Wednesday, and uh, there will be basketball games tomorrow and that will include the Los Angeles Lakers. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> Joe Kim Noah started for the Clippers today. Oh that was, that was, you know, something. that was weird. That was weird. <laughs> Joe Kim Noah, though, like, born to be on that particular Clippers team, just, like, personality-wise, it makes perfect sense. Um, Yet another reason to really look forward to that Lakers-Clippers series, because he and LeBron do not like each other. Or he doesn't like LeBron. I don't think LeBron has anything towards him, but... uh, I actually kind of feel like LeBron... He's one of the few guys that ever got under LeBron's skin. Yeah. Because... The whole Hollywood is hell thing. Well, that, but remember there was also, like, LeBron was shooting free throws, and didn't LeBron leave the free throw line for a second? Was this, like, Miami-Chicago time? I think so. It, it was either, I, I think either that or, like, Noah was still in Chicago while LeBron either was still in Cleveland or went back to mm. Cleveland. But I think LeBron was shooting free throws, and, like, there was, there was an exchange of words where Noah was on the sideline, like, on their bench, and was yelling out onto the court. And if I remember correctly, like they kind of had to be separated a little bit. And and for somebody like LeBron, who like kind of prides himself, right? Like mm-hmm. Skip Bayless has over the entirety of his career made it a point to at every single moment, like he wakes up, Skip Bayless wakes up in the morning. He's like, I'm <laughs> eating Wheaties. LeBron has never been on a Wheaties box, right? So like the fact that LeBron at no point in his career has ever said just like, hey, shut up, dude. No. <laughs> Like that, that it's it, that in and of itself seems like an accomplishment. And, and LeBron kind of prides himself on that with like other players around the league. And I think that's kind of a superstar thing anyway. I remember Kobe said that you could always kind of figure out like which players he didn't like based on the guys that like he just never talked to while he was on mm-hmm. the court with them. Um, and, but, but in this one instance, I believe, unless I, I'm completely making something up, in which case, uh, Harrison, this is your fault. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I think LeBron was shooting free throws and Joe Kim Noah like was yelling at him from the sideline. And I think LeBron walked off of the free throw line for just a couple steps and, and had a problem with them. And that's like one of the very few times that another NBA player and, and somebody less than like a super duper star got under LeBron's skin. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking it up now and, uh, that appears to be a thing that happened, uh, during the right. season. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Look goodness. <laughs> uh, according to James, Noah made an offensive personal comment. I'm a father with three kids. It got very yeah, that's, disrespectful. That's how you know you got under his skin. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and then he got called. Oh, James got called for a technical foul. Look at that. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's that's a real thing then. <laughs> that's some real beef right there. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what I ate for dinner five, 15 minutes ago, but I can recall stupid... <laughs> NBA beefs. 
I mean, uh, the whole Clipper center position, whether they have Vitsa Zubac, who they just stole from the Lakers, or not even stole, they were just gifted, I should Given. say. Yeah. Gifted. Um, and now Joe Kimno, one of the few people in the league that LeBron actively dislikes. So Makes hopefully we get that Western Conference now. Finals. Hopefully we get that. Because yeah. I, I'm of the belief that like there wasn't really much animosity between the Clippers and Lakers heading into this season. But there's enough now. Like the whole Beverly thing. Beverly and Bradley was a nice thing that I'm a little disappointed we'll be missing out on. But, you know, Kawhi and PG obviously have all of their history with LeBron and now Joe Noah and Ty Lue. And it's all good. It's all really good. Yeah, I, I, it actually I, – you tell me if I'm wrong on this. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of feel like this setting where – like in an NBA game, yes, they can hear each other. Like they can, they can hear each other talking to each other. And, and every so often like voices will raise. So you could, you just flat out can't miss it, you know, but given the setting that some of these games are going to be played in opening night of this thing, when, when, when the games actually start mattering is going to be between the Lakers and the Clippers. And it's going to be in an altogether empty arena and every single thing is going to be heard as, you know, something not just like on the court, you know, the shit talking that goes on the court, but, you know, from huddles like there, there are so every so often, I remember when I was playing in, you know, certain circumstances, you could actually kind of step away from your huddle and still kind of hear what was going on in the other one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I remember like using that to my advantage when I was coaching, right? And I would say, you know, 35 can't guard you, right? To, to really like make sure that they know that we're going to go with that guy, you know, and, 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 you know, you'd handle it accordingly. I'm really looking forward to like this, a lot more kind of MP, MTV unplugged NBA edition version of, of the way this is going to go down because there is no avoiding, there is no like claiming, oh yeah, the crowd was really loud and I couldn't hear that one time that Joe Kim Noah called, LeBron the B word, you know, or, or, Mm -hmm. or that like, you know, Kawhi Leonard actually said something that one time and everybody stopped for like five seconds because we had no idea what he sounded like. Like, I'm really looking forward to like all of these interactions. And, and I, I think, you know, to the stuff you were talking about a second ago, adding that to this makes that matchup between the Lakers and the Clippers, which has been mostly passive aggressive. I'm looking forward to that being becoming like actively aggressive (laughs) <laughs> over the next like three months yeah i mean it's it's a shame for the lakers that it, it won't happen in staples center with fans because that's obviously a huge advantage that's no longer in their favor um but yeah i mean i just think the players themselves you know the top eight on each team like there's there's enough bad blood there i, I mean does does rondo hate doc rivers now or no i think they i think they're fine with each other um it's just ray allen who hates doc rivers right I think I think Rondo's asking Doc Rivers like, "Hey, could you actually give us the money that you hit up in the <laughs> in the AC Ducks? <laughs> Can I actually Dude, have that years, one Doc, back? Like. <laughs> that was a cool that was a cool tactic at the time, but we lost. So can I actually get that money now? <laughs> um, I will say just from watching the scrimmages today, uh, I was a little disappointed at how little you could hear from the players. Uh, it seems like the the NBA they like put some mics on the ground that just like make the shoes sound really loud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if that's just because like there aren't any fans and the shoes sound louder, but like the fact that I could hear the shoes but not any of the talking suggests that there was like some sort of sound distortion going on. And then they've added these 
screens with like fans cheering. I'm putting fans, you know, in air quotes, obviously, because there's no fans, but like, it's just like a generic picture of fans that are saying like, let's go whatever team. And so there's some pumped in crowd noise there, I guess, which is again, diluting from the actual conversation that's happening on the court. I don't think that's enough to like actually prevent the players from hearing one another. Like you said, like, you're not going to have LeBron saying that he like legitimately didn't hear what somebody else said, but it's still preventing us from hearing it. And that bums me out because I was looking forward to that part. Yeah. I, I, so it sucks because like, this is still kind of the area era that we're living in. I remember when, when the last dance came out and Mm -hmm. there were very little complaints about, like not only were there very little complaints about the profanity in, in the last dance, but like a lot of people were saying that it actually kind of lent itself to the reality of, of sports. Like it's this weird thing that these games that the vast majority of us have played at one point or another in our lives, or, or like all of us who are interested in sports are very, Mm -hmm. you know, have at some point, been competitive elsewhere and on occasion dropped an f-bomb you know Mm -hmm. and and yet like this is the last kind of place where people just final frontier (laughs) the disney level language you know for lack of for lack of better no pun intended there like it's just like people just anticipate that tuning into an nba game should sound like the disney channel which is like it's just complete bullcrap. Like that's not how these guys play. That's not not that's not how any of us have played. And that's not not even how we played, but how we talk about our various sports teams, right? Our fantasy teams. You should see. I I know I'm not unique in this regard, but back when I would live when I was still living in in Southern California, and we would get together and we would have you know random Sundays where there'd be a few of us, and then like my team would be going up against somebody else's team that was also there. And there'd be some like weird touchdown that one of us benefited from that was like a complete fluke. And like you, you're damn right that I go fuck yourself. You shouldn't have gotten that those points, you know, like, (laughs) but for some reason, like people just, just, you know, anticipate or, or demand that in the actual sports themselves, they are just supposed to be like, leave it to beaver clean. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. I'm glad you brought up the last dance though, because like there's an easy, there's an easy option here, which is, there's not really that much on. You could put a clean option on ESPN2 and yeah. the unfiltered option on another channel, just like they did with the last dance. I don't really see how that's going to be a problem. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just this, it's kind of distance from the actual reality that is, is bothersome. And like what you were talking about a second ago, where they've gone out of their way to still make it try to sound natural, but, it's not natural, you know, like the, the, the analogy I would use is back when I would, when I was selling suits, I would tell people, Hey, if you have like a pair of black slacks, don't try to buy a suit coat. That's going to match those black slacks because there's no way you're going to match it. Right. It's, there's no way to make mm-hmm. that seem natural. So buy a sport coat that is a different color or like a different shade of gray uh, and make it look on purpose so that like you can you, you don't look like you're trying to fake something that is definitely not planned and in this case like w- with the way that they went about it i know like poor noah eagle i don't know if he's going to be able to talk for the next week because he spent so much time talking to try to mask some of the other stuff that was going on there on, on the court and and it's just it just 
if e- either either buy into the natural sound or go completely the other way where you have like the NBA jam, you know, PA announcer where people are screaming about people being on fire. Like the, the, you can't make this try. You, you, try, you can't try, you can't fake the natural ambiance of, of what this game actually sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, but I also understand that there is a younger audience that watches basketball games and, you know, when I was younger, I, I don't think my parents would have liked for me to hear that language when I was watching the game. And I kind of feel that way about my younger cousins when I watch things with them. Uh, so I but see did you, like, but did you hear, from. did you hear that language nonetheless though? Was there any actual avoiding that language? I mean, you can limit your exposure. I mean, this is, this is an entirely different discussion about what <laughs> children should be exposed to, I guess. But <laughs> I, I get funny it. Is that I'm the dad. <laughs> Poor Avery's just dropping f bombs in her sleep. I know. Poor thing. <laughs> uh, I, I get it. I just think that there's, you know, there's ways to give the people what they want without, you know, going full censorship. That's what I think. Also, I, I feel bad for Noah because, like, he was calling a radio simulcast, and he clearly favored the radio route, and then everybody ragged on him on the internet. <laughs> Um, so I like I get where he was coming from. It was a lot. It was a lot of talking. It's a lot of talking. It just um, speaks to how great Chick was back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. But yeah, the, the games were fun. Um the court, you know, like the arena looked like a, a legitimate basketball arena. I mean, I love that the players were able to dive for loose balls without having to worry about running into fans or photographers. Uh the socially distanced benches were fun. Um <laughs> I actually think that might stick because those guys get so close to one another on the bench. Um, you think they might actually like the space that comes from this mandatory six feet apart, but it was a good <laughs> the, look. Yeah. Michael Beasley's like, this is way too far. Yeah. I mean, he's not there obviously, but, but like, he's just, he's like, whose knee do I rub? I got to rub my own knees. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty pleased that the NBA managed to get this done and that, uh, you know, what, like, what time do the Lakers play tomorrow? Like 24 hours from now, we'll be watching the Lakers play. Mm-hmm. Basically around there. I, I do, I do, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about like what parts might actually stick here. You know, are there, are there, you know, like will, will players say, Hey, it's actually really nice. I don't have to worry about like completely busting my ACL, making a mm-hmm. layup. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on, you know, if there's anything from this that we can actually learn moving forward. So I honestly don't even know if like the way they presented the game for these scrimmages will be the way they present them for the, like the seeding games, because like, there was no national anthem before the game. Um, the the players weren't wearing their, uh, you know, social justice messages on the back of their jerseys. Like there's still some things in the works, I'm assuming that they'll, some more bells and whistles, I guess, that they're going to debut for the seeding games. But if there's one thing that I'd like to keep, it'd be the distance. I just don't see how NBA arenas could ever manage that because, like, we, we just mentioned this. Like, the benches don't even have enough room for every player to sit. Like, think about how often you see a guy just, like, lounging on the side of the bench. And it's not because he's trying to, like, stretch out his back like Steve Nash. Like, there's just legitimately not enough seats on the bench. And if they can't make enough room for, like, players to actually have room to sit on the bench then how are they supposed to create you know room for them to land when there's 
75 photographers requesting credentials every single game. Like, I just don't see a way around it. Yeah, I. it's tough because, you know, anytime you, you try to move those seats back, right, or those rows back, you're taking away from literally the most expensive seats in the house, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, it's not like, it's not like by moving those seats back, you're taking away the 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 last row of the nosebleeds no you're 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 literally moving some of your most valued customers back away from the game mm-hmm. so like some of this is just you know there is no real solution uh that is applicable to you know to your day-to-day basis but you know we've already seen them kind of mess with the photographers you know we've already seen them and and especially in this day and age where and this kind of boy, this probably won't make very many friends of mine in this industry, but like the, the idea of like the newspaper photographer, right. Being right, right underneath the basket. That isn't as necessary in, in the day and age that we're, that we're actually covering these games. Right. Like it right now, SEO is King. It's not whose picture grabs your eye the most. It's it's and and if I was a player, I'd be looking at the league and I'd say, Hey, this is a matter of our own safety. We've already seen them mess with it the one time and clear out some of those photographers, but is there a way to, to, to continue that kind of trend moving forward? I'm, I'm really interested to see after the players experience this, if that becomes an even higher priority of theirs saying what, what do what is actually gained by having that photographer? I'm not saying that I don't enjoy those pictures to be completely, you know, to be completely. I mean, like I'm, I'm thinking of like Andrew Bernstein's photo of LeBron doing the, you know, Kobe dunk earlier this year. Yeah. Like that, that doesn't come without him being on the, the baseline. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I like, like I, I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't enjoy that picture, but if I was the mm-hmm. player, right. If I was mm-hmm. the player and I'm going through this experience, do I go to the league and say, how important is that picture to you? Or can that picture be attained in some other way? Right? Mm-hmm. Because we all we know that you know these photographers have you know various buttons that they push that have other cameras taking pictures from different angles mm-hmm. elsewhere on the court. You know we have entire teams of 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 photographers doing handling all of this. Is there a way that we can do this that's a little bit more safe uh, that doesn't involve getting rid of multi thousand in the case of the Lakers, right? Multi thousand dollar seats. Mm-hmm. that you know jack sits in you know that yeah. diane cannon sits in is there a way to make us safer than than the way that we're operating here and does that become a higher priority for these guys after they go through this specific and completely unique situation yeah and i wonder if the nba will even have a chance to test that stuff out because i don't think they're going to be able to have fans in arenas next season and even if fans are allowed it's not going to be at full capacity so there will be more space to operate with. And if we're still working with, you know, socially distanced photographers, then even if you're not clearing out the baseline, at the very least, you're creating quite a bit more space than you would normally have. So there is an opportunity here to at least experiment, even once we're outside of the bubble. Um, and I hope the NBA considers player safety because, you know, most a lot of their decisions recently have been a, in the interest of player safety, like the scheduling, right? Um, uh, but I don't know. It yeah, just, it, no. To think that the NBA would like turn down media who wants to cover their games just seems a little, or like you know, turn down millionaire fans who want to sit right by the baseline. Like it, 
seems a little unrealistic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, all of the stuff is a negotiation, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's what all this comes down to is, and it might just be that the players go to the league and say, Hey, what would it take us giving up to have you guys have us a little bit safer, put us in a more safe situation on, on the court on a day-to-day basis. And the league comes back and says, well, this generates X amount of revenue uh, throughout the year. This opens up so many eyes to us. Mm-hmm. LeBron, like you get immortalized by some of these pictures. Like it is, it, it whatever you guys are asking for, here's what we're going to, you know, kind of counter back with. And that just becomes a non-starter. Right. And, and, and that I can completely understand, especially from like the revenue standpoint. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Miss Cannon, I know that you have been a Laker fan for the last like 60 or 50 years or whatever it is. And are, you know, it, it, you are somebody that like game in game out, they pan to you to say like, Holy crap. She is like this incredible super fan. Hey, flea, those those seats that like you have spent your entire musical career trying to earn, you know, hey, Jack, one day we're going to retire this specific seat, you know, and give you some kind of remembrance or whatever. Uh, all you guys, is there, is there any way we can get you guys to move back like five feet? That's just not going to happen. <laughs> like we just know from a revenue standpoint, that is not going to happen. But like, if you're, if you're the player and you're, and you're looking at all the technology out there, photographically speaking, photographically speaking, uh, is it, is it possible to grab some of these images without having photographers right there, you know? And because I think Chris Paul blew his ACL in that kind of a spot, right? He's the most recent one and, and maybe the most public injury that, that happened on, on a baseline where he took a layup, tried to stop really quick, and, and I think tore up his knee. Like that's just – that's a crazy risk. And all these guys now get to like finish their layup, take their nice couple steps – run back right. on defense. Like it's probably pretty, pretty nice for these guys to, to, to go through the, the type of basketball that they get to play now compared to like what a night in the NBA feels like. Um, and, and, and it's not even just a matter of like what damage is done in that one freak injury, but also we have learned, I think Joel Embiid has said that it's easier on his body to just fall after he makes a layup than to try to stop. That doesn't seem healthy. <laughs> Joel Embiid seems like a pretty big person to just throw himself to the ground because stopping before he hits these photographers is too hard on his knees. I, I've made this a way bigger subject than we planned on. <laughs> That's okay. Um, you know, now that I think about it, uh, it may be possible to, you know, move the entire, like not the entire subset, but like a, a majority of the photographers, like you said, because there is technology that allows people to shoot from a distance. Um, but I just can't see how, like, if you created space next to the court, how teams wouldn't just say, oh, more tickets to sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, touche. The whole time I was talking, I was thinking, like, yeah, Donald Sterling's like, cool, we can get, like, an extra row of people I can one day kick out of my building. Yeah. Or not Ugh. Sterling. Uh, is it? No, it's not Sterling. James Dolan. Hey, there you go. Dolan, okay, gotcha. Yeah. I got. <laughs> I thought you were just taking us back a few years. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's been kicked out of his own building. But, but James Dolan is like, all right, let's get some former players. Let's get Allen Houston in there. Let's get, oh. you know, John Starks. 
you guys get like we get to you get the inaugural seat and then I'll kick you out of the building by the end of the game. Jeez, what a waste of an owner. Yeah. What a giant waste. But anyway, um we, we don't really have answers regarding these uh NBA adjustments. I just I just hope that they're creative because I think we talked about this a few weeks back. There's there's an opportunity here to try some things out and even just from one day of watching, it feels like, you know, there's real improvements that can be made in the way a game is staged and there's not going to be a chance, you know, or there shouldn't be another chance like this, God forbid, um, where they can experiment like this. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll just talk really shortly about what we're expecting from the Lakers tomorrow. All right, so the Lakers take on the Mavericks in today's scrimmage, uh, or tomorrow's scrimmage. I don't know if you're listening, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, and, I mean, I'm not really looking to see if the Lakers win or lose. Uh, it doesn't really feel that important, uh, especially what this is going to be a 40-minute game, I think. Uh, what I am interested in seeing, uh, we were kind of talking about this before, is if they make any headway in deciding who their starting point guard is going to be and what that point guard rotation is going to look like. I know that uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope pretty much has that starting job secure, but uh, Frank Vogel has made it a note to say that Quinn Cook has had a really nice camp. Um, we obviously are all big fans of Alex Caruso and hope that he gets more minutes, um, but these are meaningless exhibition games, so we'll probably see a lot of J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters and maybe even Taylor Horton Tucker, whose name has come up more than I thought it would <laughs> over the last few days. Uh, anyone in particular you have your eye on, Anthony? Well, as somebody who uh, has has just been, I think, ringing the bell about as loudly as anybody on the entire <laughs> internet for Alex Caruso, I'd be completely remiss not to just say that this is something that I've looked forward to for quite some time. You know, like this, we this dates back to like the Tyler Ennis days, right? Yeah, <laughs> where where Ennis will be playing, and I would just say like. Give me literally anybody. That guy who looks like he might have been all right in that guy, meaning Alex Caruso, that guy who looked like he would have worn like a headband for some frat team's intramural league. Like, let's try that guy out because we know that Tyler Ennis isn't working. That was the, that was kind of the, the case that I was making for Caruso back then. And then he stepped onto the court. You're like, oh, wait, this guy actually – this guy might actually be able to play. And then he went from playing behind Tyler Ennis to playing behind Rajon Rondo's corpse to, and then like while he was playing behind Rondo, you're, you're saying like, this guy actually can, can really play. And then the numbers scream at you, especially alongside mm -hmm. LeBron James, where they are the best two man combination in the entire league, just in terms of, of raw net rating. Yeah, this guy actually might be able to play. So finally, we find ourselves on the precipice of potentially finding out somewhat definitively what Alex Caruso might be able to bring to the table. And now we're learning that like Taylor Horton, <laughs> Taylor Horton <laughs> looks good, and that Quinn Cook is look good. So yeah, I've I've been a little. I'm, I'm. It's nice to return to this because like it's nice to stress out over the Lakers than over like the entirety of our world and our country. Mm -hmm. But, but I find myself a little concerned that like, we're seeing these like random hints that, yeah, these other guys look really, really good. Uh, and also Alex Caruso has made a case for himself. That, that makes me a little nervous. Am I reading too deeply into that? I think you might be reading a little too much into it. <laughs> um, but you know, the way I've like 
interpreted Frank Vogel's, you know, posturing throughout the season is that he, if Alex Cruz is like, has earned minutes, you know, he's not going to just try things out for the sake of trying them out. Like uh, anyone who plays well in practice and who puts in the, he will try to give them time. Like we were running an 11 man rotation, you know, for a good part of that season, just because Frank felt that everyone deserved minutes. Right. And mm-hmm. I can't fault him for that because the Lakers were winning a lot, you know, so things were kind of working out. Um, so if he's saying that, you know, Taylor and Tucker and Quinn Cook are having a good camp, then I'm, I'm sure that means they're having a good camp and they probably will get some shine during these three scrimmage games. And that's not a problem because again, they're just scrimmages. They're just scrimmages. Uh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but the thing is, I don't see how either one of those guys will ever be able to factor into the postseason this year. And that means I'd rather take some time to, you know, actually prep for what the playoffs will look like this year. And even if that means more Dion and J.R. Smith, like those are guys who I can realistically see having a role, even though I don't want them to have a big role, but you know, there's no way a rookie's going to be ready. A rookie who's never scored an NBA point is going to be ready. And like, yeah, sure. Keep him in Orlando and have him learn from the team while he's here. Unlike the Clippers who just left their first round pick in LA for some reason. (laughs) Um, But he shouldn't be playing, you know, when the games count. And like, even though these are just scrimmage games, they're, the only time the Lakers have had in the last four and a half months to actually play as a full squad, you know, depending on how many of them showed up to Bel Air, you know, for those unsupervised workouts. But, you know, you need to take advantage of this time. And I don't want to waste it on guys who won't matter down the road, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's tough because on one hand, I, 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 I 99.999% of me uh, agrees with you there, but it's hard to figure out like who actually is going to matter because we know LeBron is going to play like five minutes in the first scrimmage, right? Maybe maybe like 10 minutes total, five minutes in the first half, five minutes in the second. Uh, we know that AD is – like all these guys are basically going to scale up to try to be ready for for the playoff whenever this actually starts. Um, and, and like with that being the case, like Alex Caruso isn't – like he's never looked very good without LeBron also being on the court, right? Because Caruso mm-hmm. isn't – a, a, pri- a primary creator, uh, nor is Quinn Cook, right? Quinn Cook's best role is, hey, LeBron, here's the ball. I'm going to go stand over there and draw the defense over here to allow for you to be able to do whatever you want to do with the ball. Which um, is a fine role, but uh, yeah, it's not I'd, a point guard. <laughs> I, I'd, be, I'd be perfectly fine if he could play defense, then he would be a, a perfectly fine LeBron point guard, but he can't. He can't guard a shadow. Um, mm-hmm. I... I, I do this, what this does kind of give us the opportunity to see though, is all right, what does Dion waiters still have in the tank? Because with LeBron playing so many fewer minutes and especially in the scrimmage games, we waiters is really the only other primary creator that the Lakers have on their roster. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and even he is flawed in that role, but he's the closest thing to it. Uh, that, that, you know, there is, Rajon Rondo is hurt. Uh, unless you really believe in KCP handoffs or Kyle Kuzma handoffs, <laughs> it's it, it gets pretty shallow pretty quickly there with mm-hmm. with the rest of the Lakers roster. So I, I, the nice thing here is that we do have some things to look for. Uh, we do. It's not it's not just some like completely meaningless games here. Fans have a reason to tune in because one of these guys, whether it's waiters, whether it's Smith, whether it's uh, obviously Caruso, we we know Caruso is going to have a moment. Whether it's Cook, 
Like one of these guys is going to step forward and have a big playoff moment. And one of the cool things about an NBA season when you watch it from start to finish is you can kind of start to see that seed planted and, and then come to fruition eventually. Right. And, and like, I remember when Artest made his big shot, I, I remember like having multiple conversations over the course of the year where, you know, dad would say, well, his shot is just so ugly. It makes no sense whatsoever to be comfortable with Ron Artest taking any kind of a three-pointer in, in a big moment. My dad's also really old school, so he was like, just get the ball into Bynum or Powell or give the ball to Kobe. Right, my dad sounds exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, like, like give it to those guys either in the post or the mid-post, and that's like a, a lot more kind of comfortable place for them to, to, to generate offense from. And then lo and behold, right, Ron Artest hits one of the biggest shots in Los Angeles Lakers history – and it was one of those seeds that we saw planted over the course of the year, over maybe multiple years of Ron Artest's career, where you're like, no, it, it, yes, it looks clunky as hell, but, but he is also crazy enough to take that shot and take it confidently. It might actually, you know, serve a purpose in a big moment. And here we're looking at, you know, Deion Waiters, where at some point in these playoffs, the Lakers are going to need some random like 6-0 run to either mm-hmm. get them back in the game or put the game away. Maybe that comes from waiters. The Lakers are going to, at some point, need, you know, a shooting guard with some size to step out there and, like, be big enough to where, like, some other two guard knows that they're there. And also on the other court, D gums the offense so that the Lakers can kind of regain or build on their momentum. And, mm-hmm. and you know, this is kind of where if I was a Laker fan and I was looking for things to watch for on top of, like, thank God we actually have basketball back. But, <laughs> but like if I was a Laker fan and I was looking for things to look for, this is where I would watch those seeds be planted, whether it's with Caruso, whether it's with, with Quinn Cook, J.R. Smith, or Deion Waiters. One of those guys are going to have a playoff moment, and you, you might be able to like kind of trace it back to these first few scrimmage games. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, it's funny. I've, I've been counting out Quinn Cook, but – he legitimately helped the Warriors win a finals game last year. <laughs> and uh, it, it could also have been just because, you know, the, the Raptors were playing a box and one on Steph. And so there were like openings to be had, but you know, defense is lit up on LeBron James too. I'm sure Cook could find some open shots when he's on the court with him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the defense just, it worries me. <laughs> it worries me. Like you said, he really can't guard a shadow. It's a, it's a yeah. thing. <laughs> yep. I'm just so happy up. to have basketball back, Sabrina. Like, it's so cool that and, – and, like, you know, there are, there are plenty of reasons to say, like, it's borderline unethical in some cases mm-hmm. that the NBA has, has access to the number of tests that they have compared mm-hmm. to the rest of, of this country, right? Uh, there are plenty of reasons to be skeptic and, and question whether or not this is something that should actually be going on. That said, I'm, I personally – and I'm presenting my own biases because this is the way that I make my own livelihood. Mm-hmm. But I personally am just thrilled to have basketball back. It was so cool to look on Twitter today and have John Hollinger drop an OMFG, not an OMG, an <laughs> OMFG at, at the, the starting lineup oh that God. the Denver Nuggets threw out there today. The Denver it's, starting lineup. <laughs> so good. Oh, wacky arms, waiting for guy. Like it was just, I, I, I'm, I'm so happy to have, you know, to be, to, to maybe get sports back here uh, because it's just, it's, it's fun to have something 
that we can kind of focus on for just a little bit that it is that is not like just <laughs> hugely depressing yeah i think that's what it comes down to right like i don't know that we're going to learn you know meaningful postseason takeaways from the lakers 40 minute scrimmage against the mavericks but it'll just be really nice to watch them i hope they all play i hope nobody gets hurt yeah i hope we just get some fun dunks you know uh, and I hope Alex Russo gets to run the point a little bit because he needs to practice. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Dwight wears a mask onto the court. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Look guys, I've been hugely popular all year. <laughs> you guys asked me some questions that are way beyond my pay grade. I'm just going to wear this mask out here just to be safe. I'm sorry. You know, he, he's already said that like he, you can't allow other people to change your opinions, which is like, come on, Dwight. Yeah, the cognitive dissonance post was just so many levels of irony there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can't let other people inform your opinions. You're right, Dwight. You are all-knowing and therefore <laughs> inswayable in, 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 in any conversation you have ever had before. I guess we're, you know... <laughs> Counting on Dwight Howard to make another comeback <laughs> in the public opinion. Yep. Who knows? I mean, we're not going to even need him to play center once Anthony Davis plays the five and, and you know, we can just forget he exists again. Yep. Yeah. It, it didn't take that long to turn on Dwight. I got to tell you, it took a really long time to start to like him again, but it's really easy to dislike him now. And part of it too is that like, it's not just – that Dwight holds those beliefs, right? And and some of this is something that like he can't even necessarily help. But mm-hmm. you look at our mentions and you look at like Bill Oram's mentions, right? The other day, mm-hmm. where Bill Oram writes what I found a altogether reasonable article, right? Mm-hmm. That like and and you know, the the one thing I would change is I, I'm pretty sick of the word distraction in sports. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 pretty much over that word because it was used against like uh, Colin Kaepernick, you know, that like he couldn't play on an NFL team because his standing up in a, in a human issue, uh, human rights issue would be a distraction for a freaking football <laughs> team. Uh, Harrison, you're welcome for catching myself on, on, on that one. But like, I, I, I wish we would find another word that like, I don't think Dwight necessarily became a distraction per se, but it just kind of took away from everything that else that is going on in a way that is not commensurate with like the, the, the topic at hand, you know, this is, this is a really easy question to answer. Dwight, do you believe in science? Yes. Or no, no. Why not? Oh, that's why. Okay, cool. We don't have to hear from you again on this topic ever again, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I, and, and, you know, you look at our mentions when we wrote about this topic and you look at Bill's mentions after he wrote about it and it's a whole bunch of galaxy brain, you know, Twitter accounts that, well, he's allowed to hold his own beliefs. It's like, no, no, you're really not on this one. You, this one's, this one's actually objectively true that like vaccines have been good for humanity. This isn't like a, this isn't arguable. It, this isn't one of those things where like actually masks, uh, Get it. John Oliver had a really good segment on it on this this last weekend, right? Where he was just saying, like, here's how these conspiracy theories gain momentum and 
And mm-hmm. this is how people buy into them. And this is why they are popular because they are on topics that people like brains can't quite deal with right now. And this is an easier way to deal with it than just like acknowledging reality or reality. And for, for Dwight in this spot, it's just like, Dwight, you could have just sat it out, bud. You could have just, <laughs> just said like, uh, I'm going to focus on this thing, you know? And, and, and he chose to answer it that way. And he has since doubled and maybe even tripled down. And it's just a huge bummer given the way this season has gone for him, given the way the people have kind of turned uh, around in, in support of him to see all that kind of thrown down the drain for an altogether uneducated and actually harmful take uh, has been a huge bummer. Right. I think we, uh, we kind of closed with this last week too, when, um, you know, if you're not informed on a topic, it's, it's very easy to just sit it out. And Dwight should be more cognizant of this than anything, because he was one of the leading voices before the season restarted, who said, we as NBA players have a platform you know, to affect change, which is why he wanted to make sure that there was attention to social justice before the league came back. And he should know that he has a platform and he cannot take it lightly and just spout ridiculous nonsense like he has been over the last few days. Well, like even, even, so let's say he actually believes, well, we know he believes in the take that he's throwing out there, right? That like Mm -hmm. vaccines aren't, the like he doesn't believe in vaccines right Mm -hmm. does he think that like by lending his platform to that topic that he's going to turn a bunch of people on science like is that his i think he does i think he does well but that that makes it even more harmful right like this Mm -hmm. is this is dwight in this case using his platform while understanding what his po- his platform is capable of doing to put people at harm. Like that's really scary when you really actually get down to it. Right. This person who like is, 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 is cognizant of what his plot, his platform is capable of doing. And he's out here thinking that like by coming out so strongly against vaccines, against science, I, in the name of religion that, he is going to turn people away from science in this sense that is legitimately harmful. And it's like legit to me because I overthink everything legitimately terrifying that like he's out here hoping that he turns people on this. So either Dwight either has to educate himself on this topic, you know, and do so publicly. Like one thing that I gave, I gave Dwayne Wade, uh, I give Dwayne Wade a lot of credit for that he went on that show on TNT uh, mm-hmm. after Chuck called out Steven Jackson, who then freaking doubled, no, it was it quintupled down on this, right? Uh, mm-hmm. what, what Steven Jackson did. But Dwayne Wade said that like he spoke to rabbis, he talked to he he spoke to like his close personal friends who are of the of the Jewish faith, right? And he said that like these things that I was in some way showing support for were hugely harmful right that that mm-hmm. that right there is like here here is a process at how i realized that i was wrong and also i was wrong but unless dwight goes out there and and to this point we have not seen anything this is now too he hasn't even apologized for this right so unless dwight shows that he goes through some kind of education process to 
to help realize that no vaccines are part of the social con uh, contract that we all go through, then he is using his platform knowingly to spread not just uneducated and stupid beliefs, but legitimately harmful beliefs that you have a whole bunch of people in our mentions and Bill Lawrence mentions and anybody, any other publications mentions saying, well, no, like what if he has a point here? He doesn't have a point. That's the effing point is that he doesn't have one. Yeah. And I, I give the NBA credit because right after Dwight, you know, went on Instagram and said these things about like, you know, I didn't know that COVID flew through the air. Um, they, kind of double down on their mask requirement. Like now you see coaches and players, even in interviews are wearing masks when previously yeah. they hadn't been. Um, and they made it a point to like, say, you know, the, the league talked to us about the protocol, like we're taking this very seriously. And even if they can't corral Dwight's views, which I understand is a, a tall task, at least they are, you know, clarifying their own message as yeah. the NBA, which is important. And it's, it's kind of the, the best they can hope for at this point, unless somebody else can get through Dwight individually. It felt, it felt like those old emails that we would get. Did, did you ever work like a nine to five in an office? Did you? No, I never have. <laughs> I felt, I felt like kind of condescending asking you that question, but I'm, I'm glad you gave that answer because otherwise I would have felt like a complete a-hole, but <laughs> um, what would happen in those, in those, when you were working in, in like a nine to five office, is that like every so often some jackass would walk in and put salmon in the microwave, right? Mm -hmm. And like an hour later, you would get an email, you know, CC to everybody. Hey guys, just like a quick reminder. Uh, this is not really how we're supposed to be using our microwave. It, some of our foods sometimes leave an odor behind that isn't the best for everybody walking into the break room. So, you know, just a heads up, if you have like fish or something or salmon, Dave, you know, like, <laughs> like <it> was, <laughs> that's how <laughs> the NBA's response to this felt was like, Hey guys, uh, just a heads up. We're all wearing masks and we're all being super safe here. We're in this bubble and we've already made, you know, compromise up with you guys and the players union to make sure we're all safe. So Dwight, please wear your mask, everybody. And it was perfect the way that the NBA handled it. Yeah. It just reminds me of a storyline, I think on like the actual, the office, but yeah, no, never nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> was it, was it one on the office? Um, I, I think it, it was more that the microwave was dirty mm. and no one was like cleaning it up after they used it. Gotcha. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is like, it's just, it's, it's a little bit more specific to the, to the person who is putting <laughs> salmon in the microwave. It's like a whole bunch of people like this is, this shouldn't be a secret, but one of the dirtiest places on the face of the planet is a shared microwave. You know, it's just gross mm -hmm. the way that they do this in, in some of these offices. At least it was back when I was there. I'd never even used, I, I, I spent way too much money going out to lunch because I just like looked at the break room and it looked depressing <laughs> and also dirty. So I was just like, I'll just go to Whole Foods and, and, and spend an hour's worth of my day, uh, the money that I earned on today's lunch or whatever, because um, that just looks awful. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it was oddly, it was always like one person probably every six months or so who would go in there and heat something up that 
everybody knows you shouldn't heat up, you know, whether it's fish or something with a ton of garlic in it or a bunch mm-hmm. of onion in it. It was just, it was just, and then, and then I remember I had a cubicle at one point, there's like right around the corner from, from the kitchen, uh, from the break room. And I got so angry one time that I went in and made a big to-do of it. I was not very good at uh, office life and, and how you're supposed to be passive aggressive. But I remember like walking around my cubicle, telling everybody, like saying to everybody, hey guys, pizza and last night's dinner that does not have these ingredients only in the microwave. And I like slammed the break room door and went back to my office. And like, I was so like borderline sick that, I didn't even care how many people were like whispering, Oh my God, can you believe you just said that stuff? I was like, yeah, I just said that stuff, man. Don't cook your fish in the microwave. It's not good for anybody other than you. And so here we are. Dwight, Dwight, wear your masks. (laughs) Dwight, wear your mask. (laughs) I I, I never thought I would learn this much about your, your eating habits (laughs) at your nine to five job. Here we are. Ergo, I work from home. Well, on that note, (laughs) I think this is a good place for us to stop. Uh, In summation, wear your mask, watch the Lakers play basketball today, and subscribe to the Silver Screen Roll podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your shows. And we'll be back next week for a Lakers Clippers preview. You pumped, Anthony? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No fish in the microwave, and we get to talk about Lakers Clippers. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>